All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 304 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill, admin on the KISS FAQ message board. Today I'm joined by Michael Cavaccini. Cappuccini? Cappuccini? Please correct me, because I told him he said your name wrong in the movie. Well, it's technically Cappuccini, but Cappuccini is like the Americanized version of it. So, I mean, I've gotten worse. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So so that settles that question. And, of course, today, Michael and I are joined by filmmaker extraordinaire no, Paul no. McCartney. Paul McCartney. He's He's coming out now. No, uh, thanks for thanks for having me on here. I, I every time you announce the episode t- the the episode number, I'm like, man, he said 304 or 303 of these, and we're there's still more stuff to talk about, and people are still watching. So uh, it's always it's always a pleasure to be back on here. It really is. So thank you for uh, for inviting me back. Well, you you are a member of the uh, the little group anyway, so you get to pick and choose. It's always nicer to have you on when you're doing something. Yes. Well, doing something positive that we can talk about. Yes. Yes. So why are you here? I don't know. Um, no. Um, May 15th, my next KISS fan film comes out called One Last Time, Live from New York City. And it doesn't stop there, so not only are you going to have a really cool end-of-the-road documentary movie, you also get a bonus concert of 13 complete songs from Madison Square Garden. So essentially you get two releases that are coming out on May 15th. It's something that we could probably all use at this time. We're all stuck home. We're all stuck someplace. So this is something free, something positive that we could all enjoy and have a good time. Yeah, that's the key to life at the moment. Positivity and getting pleasure out of the things in life that you sometimes take for granted. You know, after the success of Kiss at Midnight and The Greatest Show on Earth, your previous fan films that, you know, I think they had a rapturous response. I thought people's uh, reaction to those was very good, very positive. You know, what was the genesis of this project? What made you decide, you know what, I had so much fun doing that, I really want to do it again, but this time I'm going to make it a little bit more difficult. Well, if you remember, and you may not remember this, but the original cut of The Greatest Show on Earth, it was not going to be a 1977 period piece. It had footage of my journey through history in it. And remember, this was almost two and a half, three years ago. This was before End of the Road was a thing. I had found all these old pictures of myself and and all this old footage of myself as a kid liking Kiss. And I kind of wanted to weave it into 1977 because that was when I became a fan. So you would see something 1977, and then you would kind of see my reaction. Or you as a kid dancing to rock and roll all night. So it was going to be something like that. And then once I sat down and watched it for the first time, I realized I was doing a disservice to my footage, and I was significantly doing a disservice to Kiss. And it had to just be a 1977 period piece. So that's what The Greatest Show on Earth ended up being. But soon after I completed that, I kind of had all this footage, and I go, what am I going to do with this? There's there's something still here. So Kiss at Midnight happened. Greatest Show on Earth Encore Edition happened. But always in the back of my head, I had all this footage that I wanted to do something with. And it kind of went through a couple of different versions, a couple of different things that I wanted to do. On the end of the road tour, I was lucky. I got to go to seven shows. I shot a bunch of stuff. And I kind of looked at the stuff that I shot. I looked at the whole movies that I had. And I kind of looked at what was available for the end of the road. And I go, what? this is this is something cool. This is something that I, that maybe I can do. And it just so happened that around the time I was thinking about this, I stayed in flight 66. And I go, man, it, wouldn't it be cool if Kiss did something like this? And I was like, wait a minute. I could do something like this. So you're following a Kiss tour but you're also seeing live concert footage. You're hearing Kiss talk about the tour, and then you're hearing my story. So I thought all those things, they fit really well together. And I go, well, this is going to be something cool. Initially, it was only going to be like a little 10-minute feature that was going to air with you know, the podcast I was co-hosting at the time. And again, I was doing a disservice to it. So I was like, I got to make this a full feature and really reach for the stars on this one and make it something cool. Make it a visual end-of-the-road tour program from my perspective. And I hope that's what I did. 
Yeah, I have a question about it. So I noticed, well, first off, I think it's great. I thought it was really well done. I like how you uh, cut in interview footage uh, with the band from, I think, the Build interview and um, iHeartRadio. Those are two good ones because obviously they're long ones and um, the video quality is good. But so when you had certain live, you know, shots, uh, it looked like sometimes you had different angles. Is that because people submitted their video footage to give you those different angles to make it feel a little more like multicam? Well, initially, when I was having ideas that this was going to be a long-form project, a long-form release, I knew that there needed to be concert footage in there. And I know that there's a lot of disdain for how Kiss Extreme Close-Up and Kiss Confidential has that concert footage in it where you're watching the same song, but you're seeing them change costumes, and just it's really distracting. So I wanted to try and preserve it as one show, kind of like how Iron Maiden did the Flight 666 movie. So I was like, what concert am I going to start? Am I going to start at Cleveland? Am I going to start at Columbus? Am I going to start at a show that I was there? And I go, no, 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 no. Kiss is a New York band. And many times in the interview, they're kind of flashing back to New York. I go, well, let me set this in New York City. So there was a great multicam from New York City already available, but it was shot kind of far away. And it was using the screen for the close-ups. So I had that concert and I go, well, as a filmmaker or as a hack editor, whatever you want to call me, Again, disservice. I wasn't, I wasn't, what I was seeing wasn't what I, the image I had in my head. So I took, there's between four and five other concerts cut in there. There are clips that people had given me to use. There are clips that I grabbed off of YouTube that I messaged the filmers and they said it was okay to use this footage. And I edited it together like it was going to be one show. I mean, if you guys remember Kiss Alive and Kiss Alive 2, they say it was recorded at Cobo Hall and the LA Forum. But there's certainly other shows in there. So while the audio track is all Madison Square Garden, the video footage is four or five different concerts all at once put together to give you a really good representation of what it was like to see this show. Again, I'm putting you right in. And the best way to do that was to set it in New York and kind of handpick and choose what other angles that I can get. And while I was initially putting this together, I was like, well, I don't want to show complete songs. But I also don't want to only edit part of the song. So that's kind of where the idea came from. You have the movie and the concert. There's certainly overlap in footage, um, but you can see the full songs in the bonus concert. Uh, In the movie, I kind of wanted the songs to kind of weave in and out as you were telling the story. So, um, so yeah, I mean, a lot of the footage came from a lot of different places. I say it's from Madison Square Garden because most of it is. But um, there are definitely other shows in there to kind of give you that feel of, well, hey, look at this close up of Paul or Peter or excuse me, Paul, Eric or Tommy or, or, or whoever. So, you know, it, it was it was about making the best concert experience as you could. And you just can't do that with one camera or, you know, one far away shot. I wanted instant. Yeah, and I so, hope that answered your question because halfway through I forgot what it was. That makes sense. <laughs> that, that's always a challenge, isn't it, Andrew? You, you know, <laughs> when you start out to tell this story, I mean, you, you've kind of given us the genesis of it, you know, going back to your earlier works and doing a disservice to the story. But how do you decide and how did you decide what the perspective of this movie was going to be? Because it's not just about your story as a fan or a journey of a fan on the end of the road. How did you define what you wanted to capture and what story you ultimately wanted to tell to the viewer? Well, the first thing I didn't want to duplicate anything that I had done before. I didn't want to like, Oh, this is the kiss alive era. This is the kiss alive Two era. And these are things I didn't want to duplicate anything that I did before. So if you notice when kiss was talking about the during their big promotional run, they kind of always took it back to the early days of the band. So I said, okay, well, here's what the kiss part is going to be kiss talking about the early days. And then we're going to see the end of the road. And then the middle is going to be about the fans. It's going to be about us. It's going to be my perspective. So you kind of get that whole anthology of the entire kiss story. And it, the, I mean, the idea, it didn't, it came pretty organically. Um, the greatest show on earth was built by just kind of sticking things together and go, well, I hope this doesn't suck. But this one, the what I did is I actually wrote a film script to it, and I go, this is exactly how I want to tell this story. And when I wrote the script, everything was told from my perspective. 
every bit of Kiss a story. And I had this giant list of all the things I wanted to tell. And as I found interview footage or as I found Kiss talking about certain things that were in my script, I go, okay, Kiss is going to come in here. I'm going to come in here. This is going to come in here. I'm going to do this. And, and that's just that's just how it went. It was, again, it was a little bit trial and error, but it was kind of planned out knowing that I wanted to have Kiss tell the beginning, have the fans be the middle, and then Kiss pick up at the end of the road. Mm. Uh, I'm curious. So you gave me a heads up that I was going to be referenced in this. Um, <laughs> and I thought it was cool. I was like, wow, how neat, you know, that I'm part of something like this. Because I've said before that I really do think this is probably my favorite tour just because of, um, you know, it's just kind of a, like a big party to celebrate um, the band's history and everything. And it's been wonderful. I've been to like, uh, I think, four or five shows. And, um, Actually, no, uh, four, uh, five, if Atlantic City actually happens this year. But, um, yeah, so how did you pick, like, my interview with Paul? Was I the first person to ask him about the trademark? What happened? Like, what made you say, oh, I'm going to include that? Well, initially, and uh, I did Mike, Mike Bruins' show, I think, a, a week or so ago, which just got posted today, where I was kind of reading to him one wait, of wait, my wait. early Is notes. that how you pronounce his name? Brun? Brun? Mike, it's Mike Brun, isn't it? Damn it! I'm so, oh, I'm so terrible at this. Mike, I'm so sorry. I love you. I'll see you. I'll see you New Year's Eve. Um, no. <laughs> uh, so I did his show, and I read him like this early thing because initially, if you guys remember, the way that we found out about the end of the road is we found out about this trademark, yep. about about them registering this trademark, and then all this stuff. So what I did when I was collecting when I was collecting information about this. I searched for the end of the road trademark and there was like five or six interviews that had come up and a couple of them were just had just awful and wrong information in it. And there was a gene interview from the Chicago sun times, which only one single line made it in the documentary. And then I swear to you the very next and, and to be completely honest, we've been to some of the same events. We know a ton of the same people. I think we were even friends on Facebook at the time. But I thought you were some like high roller out from L.A. when I read this interview and saw all this information. I go, man, this is a gr- this is a great interview. I was like, I got to use some of this. And, and initially, um, one of the very first cuts, because I, I had to re-record all of the narration. The narration stuff was like one of the last things that I did in the final form. But initially, when I was trying to pace everything out, I just recorded these scratch tracks and I called you a blogger. And then I ended up taking that out because I was like, he's not a blogger, but that's just, I just stumbled across this interview and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big Apple guy. So it was on, it was on my notes and I just, that I had your link for that. And then my original note was great Paul quote in here because that Paul quote is awesome because remember it, it early on, they were denying everything and I paint that picture that they were in denial at first and then they were ready to announce it. It was a long time. Like we found out about this in February and the tour ultimately it was announced in September. And then we got dates, you know, in October, there was a long time where like fucking dick was going on and we were trying to look at every little piece of information. But that interview, it came, it was one of the first things that came up. And when I read through it, I was like, this is a great interview. Paul was just absolutely great. And, um, and, and yeah, it just, it fit in the story. And uh, that was one of the first pieces that was assembled. Julian, do you remember when I first sent you that very first sample of this way back? I mean, it must have been in July of last year. No, because there have been a loss and I lose yeah. track. I mean, <laughs> yeah. if you think about all the cuts of your various, uh, you know, projects that I've, uh-huh. you know, thank you very much for including me, you know, and, you know, wanting to get feedback. But I honestly, I lose track and half the time I can't tell the difference between one and the other. And, mm-hmm. you know. It, it, it simply is one of those things. But talking about, you know, the end of the road first coming up. Yeah, that inter- interview, Michael, that you did was, you know, a, a primary source. You've become a primary source. Congratulations, by the way, you know, um, <laughs> on that. And and seriously, and I'm not joking in that, in that your interviews have become something that becomes quoted by other people when either the they're doing a project like Andrew's done or me when I'm writing something 
it's like you know has michael interviewed someone oh wow that's a really good quote you know you know so um in terms of what you do and what you contribute to the kiss story um you know that's why it's so cool to have you on here as well but when that came out i went out and immediately like register.com um kiss end of the road end of the road kiss uh registered all these domains like i'd done with kiss monster in in hopes you know that we'd be able to do a trade they, they don't care about that stuff you know they, no they don't they, they, they don't. went they went and got end of the road info or something stupid to <laughs> uh, do their store they're like we're not dealing with him um but but to be honest though just to get back to that that it was such a great interview and i think it was essential in telling this story in the simplest way possible you know, Paul did, Paul said, hey, there's going to be one at some point. And then I think that same month, Gene was on the vault tour and yeah. someone asked him about it. And he was like, I have no idea what that is. And then we were like, D- how do you not know what it is? And then like literally weeks later, Gene goes, oh, yeah, there's going to be one. And, and it's going to be called that. Like he completely changed his tune. So it was important to, uh, to to show that. And there really wasn't I wanted to include Tommy and Eric in things like that. But um as as members of the band, they don't really speak to to that type of candor. They don't they don't overanalyze what the band is or is going to be doing. There just wasn't that in depth interview footage of them available. But but again, that was very that 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 piece was essential in getting everything going, because when you start doing a project like this, I'm always like, man, where do I start? What do I do? What am I doing? And then there's like there's days sometimes weeks where i just have no idea what's going on i'm just looking at stuff and but that was one of those things i i have a very very distinct memory of sitting at at my old place because i I just recently moved i was sitting at my old place i was sitting on the patio just drinking a beer and i was just online just looking for information and that that got me going because i found that and then I, i got the gene interview and then i got the vault thing and i go okay i could tell this story here i could this is how i'm going to start the story and then yeah. I knew I knew instantly I was going to end on the America's Got Talent, them announcing the end of the road tour. That makes sense. And something, um, uh, two things. One, when I do interviews, I try and I like to think that I'm like a fan that people that, and I, and I kind of I want to say I trick people into letting me interview these people. But um, I almost feel like I don't belong when I get a chance to interview someone <laughs> in the band because I'm like. Because I'm not like your typical reporter, right? I'm really just a fan who is lucky enough to talk to these people. So I say, okay, what do people who are hardcore fans really give a shit about? Yeah. Uh, and then that's what I ask. I don't – I mean, of course, let's talk about whatever you're trying to promote. Yeah, but okay, let's get to the deeper stuff now and things that people actually care about. Yeah. Um, so th- I'm glad that you guys appreciate that. And number two, I was supposed to interview Gene, um, that bad interview, Julian, that I told you I had with Gene. Uh, happened a few days, just like two or three days prior to him, to the band announcing the tour. It was like that Sunday. And then I think they announced it Monday or Tuesday or something. Um, so I had a horrible interview with him that I never published because he was in a miserable mood. Um, and then just a few days later, they had they announced the tour. And I'm thinking to myself, had the publicist moved the interview to, you know, after the announcement, it would have been Damn a great it, Terry. Damn it, Terry, because you probably did out with Terry Willis, right? Or Terry Wills? Yes. I mean, and she's just, you know, she was dealing with like moody Gene. So she just had to go along with whatever he said. If he's bitching, she just has to like, you know, say, okay, Gene, right? She can't push back. Um, so, yeah, that's who I was dealing with. And <laughs> God knows. That was right her. around That was right around the time because um, we were doing uh, some Gene Simmons Moneybag Soda events right around that time. Right. And it was actually soda. his last his last solo concert was right after they announced the end of the road tour. And I remember we had a whole, we had a whole morning of press that was booked weeks in advance. And then when the band announced the end of the road tour, um, Terry canceled everything and we were doing nothing that day. And uh, it was just literally Gene walking around. That was the day that he, um, we were in the car together and he said, uh, we were talking about our favorite Tom Hanks movies. And I said, my favorite Tom Hanks, that thing you do. And he goes, you like that movie? I was like, yeah, man, it's great. He goes, I hate that movie, and I hate you for liking it. I was like, all right, right on. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Damn it, I like that movie. So do I. It's a great movie. All right, so where are we? You know, one last scam baddie. Yeah, that's the name. That's the new name of the movie. (laughs) No, it's not. Um, 
why New York? <laughs> why did you decide to kind of frame this around New York? I know you were East Coast originally, but now you're Midwest. Why did you decide to go to a show, number one, that you didn't even attend? I know. <laughs> I know. And I'm kicking myself. It was a perfect storm why I didn't attend. At the time, I was seeing like one or two shows a week at that point. And it was a middle of the week show. I had just flown out to Connecticut, you know, to see them at Mohegan Sun. And I had plans on seeing them soon after. So it was like that perfect storm where I just couldn't get there. And late in the year, you know, my boss was like, hey, you know, you have all these vacation days left. And I was like, why the fuck are you going to tell me? And I'm not coming in tomorrow. So it was like it was one of those things where it's it had I known I, I, I should have just made it a priority and, and went out there. But. To answer yeah, your question. you should have because I was I there. Come on, I know, Madison Square I know. Garden. I, mean, I know, and you got me the great poster, which is a staple in every Kiss room I have from now on. That's one of my favorites. Well, yeah, knowing that mine uh, got destroyed and yours arrived I'm, safely. I hate I'm you. sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But to answer your question, there's two. There's two reasons why I said it in New York. Number one, the band being from New York, and, and like I said before, the band is really paying homage to New York on this entire tour. They're talking about the early days more so than they have before. Eric's costume kind of harks back to those early days of the bell bottoms and the leather and things like that. So you can kind of tell that they were kind of looking back and saying, yeah, we're, we're a New York band still, so don't forget it. And the personal reason why I see the movie in New York, being a kid from New Jersey, I always romanticized New York City. I grew up in an era that was the best era for New York City. You know, Friends, Seinfeld, all those great shows were set in New York City. And I was, you know less than an hour away from New York City so I always was like man New York City that's like the mecca and then I saw Godzilla destroy New York City and just all these things that it just I fell in love with that city and learning that Kiss came from that city I was like wow what could be better Kiss is from here and I I get to go here and I stood outside of Tower Records in 2001 to meet Gene and Paul and, and all this stuff so there's been this constant love affair with New York City and there continues to be to this day, that it's the coolest city that that I was able to go to and, and kind of know a little bit. So it made all the sense in the world to do it, to set the movie around there. And um, there's stuff that stayed on the cutting room floor that we'll talk about that in a little bit that I shot there. Like I shot stuff at the Elder Door. I shot stuff at 10 East 23rd Street. It just, just, if, if Kiss came from any other city, I think that there would have been significantly different than than what they are. I know the last New York album is Asylum, and we could argue that till we're blue in the face. But man, to me, they're still a New York band, and there's no cooler place to see Kiss than Madison Square Garden. So yeah. it just made sense. It's one of those questions: Could Kiss have come from any city other than New York in the early '70s? No, I don't think so. You, you, you have these certain kind of identities for cities and bands and, you know, Liverpool and the Beatles. Yeah. London and I guess the Stones. You know, you have cities that are identified with certain bands to such a degree that the DNA is interwoven. But I'm not going to go off on any pretentious Bob Se- artistic. You know? Bob Seger. Yeah, Detroit. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it just it, it just made sense to do it out of New York. It really did. Yeah, so there's a lot of really fantastic footage in this in this movie. And again, because I've seen it kind of develop and how you continue to grow it and nurture it, it's like a bonsai tree that, that really has taken a lot of love and cultivation to get to this point where you're, you're able to unleash it on the public. But what's important to a moving image in order to grab your attention? What is the kind of the things that you see footage and you're like, Oh my God, I got to include that in something or I got to build a project around it or it's in. It's weird because you sometimes want to include stuff because your friends gave it to you. You sometimes want to include stuff because you shot it. But at, at the end of the day, it's when you're sitting down and watching something and I don't mean on and I'm kind of watching this, but I'm, I'm typing up an email and I got something else playing in the background. No, when you actually sit down and watch it, it's very jarring when something doesn't belong. You kind of, from the moment that you hear that, that the helicopter intro and you see those shots in Madison Square Garden outside, it sets the mood right there. 
there and and again, you probably don't remember this, but I I know I do because I was the one that 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 did it. There were at least four different shots of that kiss intro that I used before settling on the one that's in the movie because it would go from that outside shot and then I wanted I wanted to show the grand scale of a kiss show where you see in the searchlights and you're seeing the crowd and you're seeing the people. I wanted to I, I wanted you to watch this and go, oh man, I remember that feeling. So it's one of those things that you you want to tell this big grand story about the the one of the biggest bands of all time that the moment something in there that isn't as granular as a kiss says that they are, you noticed it. Or for you know, for all intents and purposes, uh, and this you sometimes I couldn't use that because it was out of sync or they were doing something different that didn't match up with the audio. It, it was just it, it was all feel. There was no right or wrong answer. I mean, so many things have changed. So many little things have changed from that first assembly cut to to now. Because I was just watching it and I was going, I don't know if I like that. Something something about that shot pulls me out of this and goes, oh, well, either, hey, that's not from New York or that's out of focus or that's shaky. And why am I looking at this guy's feet? It's it's one of those things that there are things that just take you out of the moment. And for me, the way I chose whatever was in there, did it preserve the moment? Was this like did this give me the same feeling as it did when I was watching the show for the first time in Grand Rapids, Michigan? Did I get the same feeling as I was watching it in Jacksonville, Florida, you know? Something I wanted to point out, I don't know if anyone else picked up on this or thought anything of it, but there's like a shot uh, for Madison Square Garden where right below the kiss sign, it says one size does not fit all. I thought that that was kind of interesting that this ad was here because when you think of KISS fans, we're kind of, you know, um, uh, misfits, right? Some of us don't fit in with popular kids. We're just kind of, you know, go our own path, and we're we're not part of the mainstream necessarily, even though KISS did become mainstream at some point. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of cool that right below that sign at Madison Square Garden, it just kind <laughs> of is reflective of what the band's culture is and what they kind of stand for in a way. And I didn't even notice that. What I was paying attention to is when the camera pans, the moment when I first saw that shot, and I was like, oh, my God, he better get the entire word Madison Square Garden when he pans over. Because I got where like pan, it was like Madison Square. And I was like, oh, so I was making sure that when he finally panned over, you saw the whole thing. But uh, using that using that was one of the first shots that I grabbed and I knew that I was going to use because. I remember that shot from the second coming video where they shot the marquee and it was just the Kiss logo. It said Kiss sold out. I didn't get to go to the Manchester Garden 96 shows. I was 11 years old. I wasn't old enough to go to a show. It was a little bit later on that I went, December of 96. So when I saw that and I knew I had to use that because, man, how cool would it have been to be walking down the street and looking up and seeing Kiss on that marquee? I mean, luckily, I've seen Kiss at the Garden two times, and I'm very, very thankful and very, very appreciative of that. But, man, nothing is cooler than looking at the marquee and going, Kiss. I still get that reaction. So uh, it's funny that different people watch it. They pick out different things, and they're like, oh, man, you did a great job. Easter egg. And I was like, man, I had no idea that was in there. It it was one of those happy accidents. Um, And thank you to um, I can't I'm not even going to try and butcher his last name, but thank you to Nigel for shooting that piece of footage and 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 giving that over to me for for the film. And I did spell his name rights in the credit and uh, that fucking bastard posted about the movie a couple of days ago and misspelled <laughs> my goddamn name. You know you know what I I regret I well I, I shouldn't regret because I was doing other things in New York but I, I met up with Nigel obviously and he went on the tour of Madison yes. Square Garden. He'd he'd uh, IM me before he's hey, you got to come on this. You got to go on this. And then I saw what he filmed and what they actually got to see there. It's like holy shit. I went to drink beer, and I could have gone on that. But thank thank goodness he got that footage because I didn't shoot any of that sort of stuff outside the. Uh, I walked around because I mm-hmm. wanted to see all the marquees. I walked around the whole block that is around uh, Madison Square Garden because, come on, this is my one show in New York City as a guy who spent 10 years living oh, well, upstate, you know. So very, very cool that's in, in there. And I just love how Michael's picked out something that you didn't even know. I didn't know I had no idea either. Um, here's, here's a tough question. 
Okay. We know and have known since show number one that KISS are working on their own documentary. Do you have any fear that you were stepping on their toes in any way by approaching this uh, project? Okay, so we've talked privately about this. And so I think you know what I'm going to say. I pitched this to KISS. And I had talked to Doc about it. And there was like a unanimous thumbs up. And then all of a sudden, I got no response. I sent a couple follow-up emails. I got nothing. So for a time, I thought, well, maybe maybe I don't do this. Maybe people don't want to see this. Maybe they're right. But then as the tour progressed and as everything kept going, I was like, man, I got to do this. So I had a lot of the footage just kind of assembled. And for people that aren't film nuts like me or film geeks like me, what an assembly cut is, it's you just literally take all of your footage and you just put it in order. It's nothing is edited. Nothing is trimmed. Nothing is color corrected. There's no music. There's there's literally nothing. It's just every piece of footage that you know that you want to use is just in order. So an assembly like the assembly cut of this movie was three and a half hours. The movie's not going to be three and a half hours, but all of you, you all everything that you want to use that you've determined that you want to use is there. So I had this this giant assembly cut that was just a muddled, disgusting mess. As I'm working that assembly cut, I see the post that they're doing this thing called history. And I was like, man, mine's got to be out first. So I think the I think the people it's A and E is behind us was the same people that did Kistery, uh Kisteria and Family Jewels are are doing it. And they, they've done some great stuff, but I truly believe that no matter how great it's gonna be, it's gonna lack the heart that this has. So I hope in my own like special way that somehow this gets to the band and they go, oh man, that would have been cool. We should have done something like that. So once I heard that there was going to be an official documentary that, that was coming out, I knew that I had to finish mine and I had to put it out before them. Because after the official one comes out, no one's going to give a shit about mine anyway. So um, but I knew I no, had to put why, it out before. No, I, I, I totally disagree with that. Why can't we have our cake and eat it? Enjoy your product and enjoy what Kiss then puts out. You know, that, that wasn't a setup for a question. That certain, you know, I, I wasn't trying to get you mm-hmm. to admit to any of that history, which, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm aware of because I was aware of A&E before the first show happened as well. Yes. You know, and, yes. I, and you know, in Vancouver, I knew that they were going to be doing stuff. We don't know what it's going to turn into, of course. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. It, you know, don't take it the wrong way. It was not a no, setup. No, no, I, no, I, I'm definitely not, but I also, I also knew that for the casual fan, if they saw a fan film and the band's official product, they're definitely going to go to that official product first. So I didn't want to compete with that. And I knew that if I was going to do this, I had to get it out before before um, Kiss, before Kistery comes out. So and, I, and I'm glad that I was able to. And, and like I said, I hope it I hope it elicits a reaction from fans that go, hey, man, this is cool. Or I hope it gets back to the band and, and they go, well, fuck, we got to hire this guy. That I mean that, or that it, it it sets a high bar that they say, oh shit, we're not doing good enough here. We gotta you know step up our game. We are the band. He's just a fan, you know. Mm-hmm. F him. Ours has to be, you know. So that, that's <laughs> the point of view that I I kind of take. That either yeah. way, I hope it motivates them. Can you imagine? The, you know, can you imagine? Hey Doc, did you see this motherfucking one last time fan film? Doc, what the fuck are we doing? Can you like I'll, I'll never be privileged to that conversation, but can you imagine if that happens? My ears will be ringing for like three days of like, why are my ears ringing? You know? <laughs> I think it, it would be funny if that happens. But but also too, just to kind of get this out there, if if the band does see this and um, they, they need to know. And I've said this in every interview and in every post I've ever done. This is not for sale. I'm not making DVD or Blu-ray copies. I'm not sending it out to anyone. This isn't for me to make any profit off of. This is 100% of the people by the people. And it's to get the band's attention. If the band say, hey, stop. But until that point, I, it's all all systems go. It's all guns blazing. And it's 
about to get this product to the to in front of the most people for the most amount of time and and hopefully to get you know the most positive reaction out of people but um as far as the other projects go the band hasn't said a word either way so and i know they're aware so they haven't stopped me yet so yeah i was gonna ask about that so um i assume you're still in contact with gene obviously you've worked with him on things do you like have you emailed copies of these to him or doc or even the work print of this one and been like hey fyi or i i i haven't because um i think that's maybe too super fanish even though i actually call myself a super fan in the description of this movie uh, uh i hope somebody else does it and look at this or hey gene look at this uh, but i've never done it anytime i've been around gene in a professional working relationship it's in representation of gene money bags gene simmons money bag soda and i owe it to those guys to i'm representing them and their company it's not andrew's time to go promote something and talk to gene about something else if they were to tell me hey gene asked about this go in you know go talk then i would but it's not about that it's about saving face and it's about showing those guys in that company respect. So I'm there representing them. So I'll drink the soda and be like, Hey, this shit's fucking good. You know, it actually is good to be completely honest with you. I actually really do like it. Uh, but no, I've never, I've never pulled Gene aside. I've never pulled them aside and go, Hey, check this out. This is what I did. And I'm not making DVDs, but this one is for you because I wanted to hand you something. I've never done that. And I never will do that. I've That's done good. that. I've totally <laughs> done that. Yeah. <laughs> I've got it on video, too. I mean, giving, you know, Gene of the vault, you know, I said, before we do this, I have to do something. Here's a gift for you. And I gave him a copy of one of the books I'd done. And, and then he put it in a vault. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't, actually. Um, other stuff did end up in people's vaults. That, you which know, is uh, funny, which is which, great. Which is hilarious. But, you know, I've actually got video of him in between vault people talking about my book to other people and showing it to them. Hey, look at this. You know, so and, and if you remember when I was with him in Buffalo in February, we were we were at, at an undisclosed location and he pointed out your book and goes, Oh hey, I have one of those. And I, I sent you that little that little clip that, that yeah. we got. So right. it's it's cool. He he knows about you and hopefully he knows about me and he doesn't say that fucking Paul McCartney get hopefully it's all positive. Yeah, but, I, I um, don't want him to know about me because I like the independence of not doing official KISS projects exactly for the reason, probably very similar to yours, in that the scope that it allows me, without stepping on their toes, and I've always been very careful, uh, well, except for that one time, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, apart from that one time, I'm always very careful about what I do and how I do it, and you're probably the same. You know, when you look at some of the footage that you think about, do you, do you ever sit there and go, um... I don't think they'd like that. Uh, well, the my favorite part in the movie, they probably aren't going to like. It's that rehearsal footage from MTV Unplugged. I'm assuming that belongs to the band, and that's been heavily bootlegged. But them making fun of the way, like, them making fun of the way Tommy Thayer walks... I could there's no way I could have not included that. It's too good because you could tell Paul's in a great mood and they're just they're making fun of him and then he pops in going, "You guys making fun of me again?" That that is so perfect. That that in there. So that was one of those things where I was like, "Hey, if they get pissed over anything, it's going to be this." But at the same time, I was like, "It's too good. I can't. It's too good." Because they're really complimentary of Tommy. And, and I take absolutely nothing away from Tommy. That guy has paid his dues. That guy deserves to be where he is. And he he respects Kiss more than Ace did in his later years. So, uh, And he's a great guy. Oh, Tommy, so that guy Tom, Tommy's absolutely fantastic. What I love fantastic. about that footage being in there is the irony. Yeah. Is that here they are. They have a relationship with him that they can mock the hell out of him. And he sticks his head in and says, you mocking me again? You know, so he, he's it's an in joke. Yeah. But he is now yeah. the guitarist and has been the guitarist in that band continuously 17 years longer than any other guitarist in the band. So who's getting yeah. the last laugh? Tommy. Tommy, Tommy is. Yep. And what's really what's really cool uh, about is you hear Tommy tell his story. And then, like, you see these pictures that 
I must have looked at those pictures of Tommy for years. I had no idea that this is the guy that was going to be in the band. I had to go back and look at my reunion tour magazines and go, oh my god, there's Tommy, and he's editing the second coming. Or there's Tommy with Doc when they dressed Doc up for the 100th show on the reunion tour. It, it was just one of those things where you're like, man, this guy has been around forever. And I knew both Tommy and Eric both get good little um, spotlight parts in the movie. Tommy talks about his history with the band, and Eric talks about how he was introduced to the band before he was ever in the band. And, and I think it was important to have both of them tell their stories. Here's the thing. There's nothing more boring than someone telling their story in chronological order in one giant piece. There's nothing more boring than that. Nonlinear storytelling always grabs me, how you're just getting little pieces of the story. You're, you're telling a bigger story. Nobody cares when Eric Carr's, excuse me, when Eric Singer's first show. I don't know why I keep doing that. Nobody cares when Eric Singer's first show in the band was. People don't care about that. Nobody cares when he put the makeup on. But they but they do care about maybe when he was introduced to Kiss. So I want to tell that part of Eric's story. This is where he got introduced to the band, and then ultimately it led him to be in the band. Tommy's a little different. I, I wanted them to understand that Tommy's worked for the band for a long time. And it just so happens that his first show was documented on the Kiss Symphony. So I thought it was important to tell that story. It wasn't really important to tell the story about how he trained Peter and Ace to get up to snuff on the reunion tour. So I left that out. But I thought it was important to tell little bits of all their stories. You know, Gene tells that great story about the flash paper and throwing it in the guy's face and his eye melted off. And then Paul tells the story about the loft. So it's just telling these little that way you can kind of connect the dots through this 45 plus year story. And I'm sorry, I went completely off the, off the rails again. I, I tend to do that. I just, yeah, you know, it's like, you, it's, like, it's like interviewing Eric. Yeah. You, you talk about these things and everyone's like, you don't, do you understand what I did when I did that? And I did this and I did that because, you know, when you build these things or when things like this are built, there's a huge team behind documentaries that come out there's huge teams behind movies and visual effects this film was literally 100% me designing the logo all the little promotional posters and the, everything about this was me previously you know i had help you know uh, people design little pieces of artwork or or little promo posters for me or little things like that so i definitely had help previously on the greatest show on earth and even at kiss at midnight but this one 100 hundred percent me everything of uh, the teaser poster to the design of the theatrical style poster everything everything was literally 100 percent me i wasn't dropping in little pieces of other people's work this was created 100 percent by me and it was important to do that because this is my story and i hope it inspires somebody else to tell their story all right so previously you know some of the the fan films that you've done, you've added some enhancements like the explosions on the last yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, was there any temptation for you to kind of embellish and enhance kind of those sorts of very kissed things on this movie? Or did you want it to be au natural? I wanted it to be natural because, uh, number one, when I watched The Greatest Show on Earth back and I hear all the added effects I did, I go, that sounds really cheesy and really 70s. And then I watched Rocks Vegas right before I, I was doing this, and they embellished a lot of the, the sounds and a lot of the sparks, and I go, that eh, kind of sounds really cheesy. So once I saw the but amount also- of... Well, but once I, I heard the amount of the explosions on this one, I was like, that's too many to do. And it was just out of pure laziness, where I was like, I don't really... It was one of those things that I just kept leaving off until the end. And then finally, it was like the night when I was exporting the final cut. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do this. There's too many. And there's too many that happen in things where explosions don't need to be the centerpiece. So I just decided to just leave it as is. They sound, they still sound cool. But um, it, it's one of those things where I just, nothing was going to um, benefit from doing that. There was going to be no benefit of it. So um, was it laziness? Maybe. But again, I was looking at the entire picture. There's 
to enhance any explosions or any sparks shooting. They're just to me, it would have taken you out of it, my opinion. Well, one thing I did really like was the transitions. Like, there's one transition, I think, in the beginning where Paul's singing and all of a sudden a ball of fire, like, shoots in front of his face and he transitioned to something else. And I'm like, wow, that looks really good. And it, even though this is a fan-made film, I think you seem to have such a strong handle on the tools that you used. It actually feels uh, not very far off from a professional production. I mean, Thank I think you. it's – you can see the evolution – um in your abilities from film to film and i think this is definitely visually uh and conceptually probably the strongest one so far did you so i i forget which cut i sent you did what did the cut that you saw michael was it the one with the actual uh theatrical style opening credits where you saw the banners and things like that okay all right so and that was that was a last minute edition that was one of those things where I, I sent it to somebody for review and they go, man, why is Gene Simmons name up when Paul Stanley is descending? And I was like, well, it's a concert. So I'm just showing that in the concert and I'm just showing the, the opening credits and they go, well, that's confusing. I was like, yeah, maybe it is confusing. So I kind of looked and I was like, well, what could I do? I was like, well, maybe I could have each band member have their own little thing. And I was like, OK, well, maybe I could build it that way. And um, it was one of those things where I just was like throwing shit at the wall and going, I hope this is good. Um, and once I saw all four of the, the band members together, I was like, well, now I got to do the other titles. I got to do the film titles and I got to do, you know, the, the Andrew title and I got to do the featuring Kiss. So those were very, very last minute additions. Those almost weren't going to be there. Oh, wow. And, and watching it now, I go, man, I'm so glad that's there because it really it the more on you watch it, you go hold oh, this is kiss and seeing that i think helps illustrate that so i'm really really glad i i went back and redid that Absolutely. and there was like 10 cuts of the movie before that was even added at least 10 yeah maybe it was least, eight at least 10. maybe it was eight maybe but um 18 yeah there was a lot there's a lot i mean there it, it goes through there are so many things that it goes through um, with the greatest show on earth, what I did is um, I, every cut of the film I burned on DVD and I watched it on a, in an old school DVD player on an old school TV. And um, I didn't do that this time. There's too many. And I didn't want to wait. Blu-rays are more expensive than DVDs. I didn't want to waste all those Blu-rays. So it was just I was I have a private YouTube channel that I was uploading everything to and then streaming it to my TV to watch it that way. Uh, but there was I mean, you just. It, it's one of those things that you have to watch it from beginning to end with tractions. You're, and you're just, you're just watching that TV going, okay, what takes me out of this moment? So, yeah, I'm really glad I had you, that You're getting Skype pretty badly today. You know, it's like marked Canadian Wi-Fi. But I hope people do stick with this because, you know, I think it's a really cool conversation to get in kind of the artist's mind. Um Someone's going to ask the question, why did you use non-Kiss incidental music within the movie? And I know we talked about it as well. So yeah. I kind of I want to get you to explain that to people because they are going to hear it. Well, it's one of those things where I knew that when I was talking, there needed to, or when I was narrating, rather, there needed to be some music underneath there. And... Number one, I didn't want to use any official Kiss album music. There just wasn't enough instrumental life. So it was it was one of those things where I was like, well, hey, it's I have to find some Kiss-like sounding instrumental music. And it was just to make it sound cool. Um, it, it was kind of I, I didn't want to I didn't want to re- repeat songs. I didn't want to have to make an edit of a really long instrumental section, having it repeat. And I also didn't want to use a bunch of album tracks like they do on those VH1 shows. So it was one of those things where I just got some kiss sounding cool rock music to put behind there because I think there needs to be something behind me when I'm talking, not necessarily kiss because they're the focus. uh, But I think when you're having somebody like myself narrate it, Having some music underneath there kind of like, oh, this is cool. There's there's something going on here. Makes sense. Question about the helicopter noise in the beginning. So when I heard that, I thought of 
uh, Tiger Stadium. That's where my mind went. Um, but then some people might say, oh, you know, Kiss had a helicopter for Rocks Vegas, too. So for you, what was the inspiration for the helicopter? Was that just to give it a bigger feel? Did that actually happen in, in New York? I don't know because I wasn't there. Just curious about that. Uh, two, two things. Um, there's that shot of Madison Square Garden is from a helicopter. So I knew that I wanted to add I, there's just something about that noise that that I don't know, it kind of hits you in the chest. But uh, Apocalypse Now was where I got it from when they're, they're coming over. That's that's where I got it from. So it wasn't I didn't get it from Rocks Vegas. I I almost forgot about the Tiger Stadium. Shout it out loud video, how it started with that in the beginning. But uh, for me, it was like oh, I want to make this. It, it was about making it big, making it grand. And when you're seeing the when you're seeing that shot of Madison Square Garden from the helicopter, I go, well, let's start out with a, a giant helicopter and let's make it so loud that you're like, what's going on? Like, how's what's what's going to happen? So that's where it came from. It, it just was about making it bigger. And that made it. Yeah, it's a nice touch. Yeah. Apocalypse Now. I was right. But that's I where it came from. You know, I wasn't there for Tiger Stadium. You know, but I was there for Rocks Vegas in the helicopter, and you know what? It is cool. It actually goes yeah. together with Kiss very well. But uh, if you think back to the shouted out loud video, you know from '96, the helicopter now is just so much a part of Kiss. Here, here's a question for you: If Gene and I'm, you know, forget the rest of the guys, it, it's always Gene's approval that I think we all seek. If yes. Gene were to watch your movie, what one word? one andrew would you hope that he used to describe it i'm going to do the gene impression i want him to do this it's magnificent that was two words but okay well (laughs) (laughs) it's it's it's. (laughs) just magnificent all right so that's so so let's go straight into the the next part of this you know there's quite a few of your encounters with the band in this in this film you know you are it's your story um what's the most important one of the moments of you with the band that is included in this movie and why so it's the vault footage of me with gene and um I was a little bit overweight in there. I mean, you could tell. I, I just I look at me from the side and I go, I was a fat man back then. Um, but because um, I'm a little guy, I put on five pounds and it, it, you know. But anyway, Gene and I, at, at the time, Gene's mom was still alive. It was April 2018. But Gene was talking about his mom, then I, I was talking about my mom. And I kind of, I didn't have any professional mic on me at the time, so the conversation it kind of got lost in translation. That's why I edited around it, and I alluded to what we were talking about. But uh, we were talking about it, and I was talking about how I lost my mother at an early age and, and this and that. So and I just told him, I was like, hey, you know, because I lost her at an early age, this whole kiss thing and being able to get to do this and remembering that she took me to these things, I mean, these are memories that I'm going to hold on to for the rest of my life. And he stopped and he looked at me and he, he went to give me the, the asshole, you know, fist pump. But he goes, no, no, no. And he, he brought me in and he just he held me there for a while. And that was a, a really great that was actually how the greatest show on earth was going to end was going to be with that. Because it was like this is this was me at a young age and this was me now. If someone had told me at such a young age that I would have that relationship with gene i wouldn't have believed you so it, it was one of those things where i knew it because it was so cool i still look back at that picture and i go man that was that was cool like you could he was because you could tell there are people that have paid for meet and greets and this and that and they've met him and they're friends and but when that guy is being genuine you can tell and he was being genuine that day at least with me uh, I know I was just another, you know, $2,000 punch card that day, but uh, you could tell he was being genuine because he didn't have to, you know, sit there and, and talk to me about that. It, and I, and I kind of saw Keith like, you know, Keith Valcourt, he was kind of like, yeah, just let this, let this moment happen. And, uh, and it was cool. I'm glad actually the funniest thing I don't have in there because I wasn't videotaped, but, um, the first couple of Gene Simmons money bag soda things that I did, they were all just they just music under there. It was either 
Kiss-sounding music, or was are you? It had come time for the Kiss Cruise, where Gene wanted one with narration in it. So, of course, I did the narration. <clears throat> and he calls me at work one day. And he goes, do you have a time to talk? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's all, it's all good. He goes, okay, well, listen, um, I like this part. Change that part. Do this and do that. I was like, no problem, all done. He goes, and by the way, who's the narrator in this commercial? I was like, well, Gene, it's me. He goes, it's you. Okay, well, listen, I'm sure the men, I'm sure the women like your voice, and probably the men too, but I hate it and you got to change it. And I was like, right on, no problem. I'll get right on that. <laughs> so that was, that was the funniest thing. And of course it wasn't videotape, but I just, I have that memory that that was going on around that whole time, you know, the vault, the end of the road. It was, so whenever I watch this movie, I think back to that and I go, man, if, if only somebody that um but that's the funniest thing and, and again just to, and that that vault thing with gene was the best thing i ever did and that was thanks to you julian because had you had not done la and we didn't do that uh, that podcast episode with you talking about your experience i wouldn't have went out and bought it yeah you said that that morning you know yeah th- there, there was jonathan farting in the bed next to mine and i'm up at like 6 a.m after the vault doing the show with you and jason and you know jonathan pokes his head out and shouts at you guys and uh, you're like i'm doing this I'm doing this. I'm, I'm. You, you, I think you were even going on the site during that, sh- while we were taping. Yeah, so. it, it was the perfect storm because they had just added Cleveland, and they also added zero percent PayPal financing for eighteen months. So I was like, it's free money for eighteen months. Of course I'm doing this. <laughs> and then, and luckily I was able to pay it off before any any interest accrued on it. So that was great. It was like it was free. It was basically free money, and I went to go and do that. And it was awesome. And my my vault there, on camera, but it's over there. It's one of my favorite things that I've done, and I'm glad that's in the movie. Awesome. All right. So there's so, a movie. When does it come out? No, because I'm not done with my questions. So <laughs> a lot of the construction of this film has taken place in a really challenging time for many people across the world, and I'm, I'm not going to say the name of it. We all know what it is. Um. <sighs> Has that colored your perspective or vaccinated your ass with a Victrola needle to inject any additional joy or passion? Or was that all naturally, you know, kind of going to be in there as a result? Or did you overcompensate and say, this is a really bad time. I got to do something to really um, lift up my Kiss brothers and sisters. Well, to be honest, um, that whole pandemic delayed this film. This film was supposed to be out, uh, but around February, January, February is when I decided to add a bunch of things to it. So I just had a bunch of just stuff that I still had to do. So when this pandemic was hitting in late February and early March, I mean, this was going to be out in either late February or early March, but because everything was so uncertain, my job was uncertain, everything was uncertain that I, I wasn't able to, to work on this. Until I knew that, uh, you know, I was going to have a livelihood after this. So, so no, it didn't change anything except the release date. It was always going to be what it was or what it ended up to be ultimately. Um, but I am glad that I'm able to put it out at a time where hopefully it gives people enjoyment that are looking for something um, to take their mind off this. So, so no, so I, I'm, I'm fortunate and I'm glad that the pandemic didn't change this. But I'm also glad that hopefully people that are struggling they can maybe turn off their brains for an hour and a half and watch this and say hey this is i you know wasn't thinking about my unemployment hold or i wasn't thinking about a relative or i wasn't thinking about when i'm going back to work so that that's 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 the that's the goal of it at this at this time that's really a key point i think yeah turn off your brain from the horror of reality for an hour and a half you know i i use the the peter chris vaccinate your ass with a victrola needle for 90 minutes here's the cure the doctor is in you know because i am a doctor of love had to put that in there had to put that in there. Michael, any any last questions before we uh, kind of bring this to a close? Well, I guess the only thing is, you know, and I don't want to open a whole um, 
you know, huge discussion necessarily. But watching this, I think what it made me feel the most is grateful because, especially because of this whole pandemic, I really wonder what our future show is going to be like. I mean, you know, our meet and greet is going to completely change. Um, how are people going to be spaced out? Like I was able to be like, I have a great, this great photo of being front row with a friend of mine, Anthony Brutica, who I, I ran into at the Allentown show and we took like a selfie with the confetti flying all around us, arms around each other, just like having a great time. And like, I don't know, like, is that going to exist anymore? And that, you know, made me grateful that I've been to four shows on this tour, but it also made me a little, you know, sad that it, that could change. You know, what was documented in this film could be a lot different uh, for the remainder of the tour. I mean, I hope it's not, but I don't know if you guys have thought about that much or not, but just curious um, about I your thoughts. I did a little bit, and, and it's funny you mentioned the whole confetti thing, because all the confetti footage that is in Rock and Roll and I were all that sweeping footage, that's from Cleveland. So I, I shot all that, because to me, that's like, ah, this is pure bliss. But um, I have thought that it's possible that when this tour picks back up again, because Kiss has said it will, it might be different. And certainly they're going to move the last show, because they might have a lot more goodbyes they want to say. But what if the last show has already happened? You know, it's it, it. Everything is so uncertain right now. What I hope this does is I hope the people that went to the end of the road go, man, that was cool. And for our fellow Kiss Army brothers and sisters that didn't go, they go, hey, I didn't go. But this made me feel like I was there for a little bit and it brought me that much closer to to the band or to my fandom. So um, I'm hoping that that's what people take away from this. But uh, but it, it's a tough question to answer because everything's so uncertain right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just so thankful that I went into that show in Oakland and said that I'm not going to do any of the things that I normally do at a show. Um, I stayed off the beer. I completely left myself to be enveloped by the majesty of the show. Mm -hmm. And just went for it. And if that was my last show, thank God it was, because that was absolutely awesome. Um, I guess when anyone does anything, anyone creates anything, you know, an artist is not always satisfied with his or her work. You're self-critical. Is there something missing from this that you would have loved <laughs> to have included in you know, one last time, but you either cut out or had to leave out for some other reason. There's little pieces of my own personal history that I wanted to include certain ads and certain things that maybe I probably should have made this big grand credit sequence where it's things are like flashing by like a scrapbook. Uh, but again, it would have taken away from the film. I think it would have muddled it. Um, but I mean, there, there are things that either I couldn't find there was footage uh, of a meet and greet from Mohegan Sun in 2016 where Eric calls me out from the stage that I, if someone shot it, please give me a copy. I would love it for my collection. I just don't have. Um, but there were things that I couldn't find and little shots and things that I just, you know, maybe it wasn't up to, up to snuff the way that I, that I wanted it. There's, there's so much. There's so much. I mean, the project file on this is a disaster. Whenever you start big things like this, you keep everything so organized. But as it gets thing, you're grabbing things from some. It's a disaster. There's probably stuff in the project that is awesome that I was like, man, I forgot about that because I had 51 other things that I was doing here. So it, that's a tough question. That's a tough question. I, actually, you know what? Here's the political answer: is I wanted to include more fans in the more fans either telling a story that they shared with me at a show, a story that they shared going to a show or a story that they shared. This was my first show. I wish that I wish I would have had, I wish I would have shot more stuff of fans talking about it because I'll tell you something. I really wish that I didn't narrate this. I really wish that I had other people narrate it and other people tell the story. I'm very critical of, of myself, but it was my story. So I had to do it. But I wish there was more of other fans that was bringing the story along. That's that's it. And, and that's my own fault for not thinking of the idea until 
March 2020 when the tour is basically at a standstill. Well, there we are. We are at the end of one last time. I hope that uh, <laughs> everyone will go out and uh, you know watch this when it is available. I hope that everyone will only watch it where it is available, not pay for it. Because if you're paying for it, you're being ripped off and people are yes. being stolen from. Do not yeah. pay for these sorts of things. They're freely available for you to watch, for you to enjoy. They are created from a point of non-commercial you know, attitude and from passion. But I think the most important thing is to say, um, Andrew, I think any mother would be proud of a son <laughs> who has created and channeled positive energy into creating stuff that other people can enjoy. Yeah. And that that is what I've gotten out of every single time I've watched a preview. I've watched your previews all the way through. And to see you as a I've mocked you, but to see you as a as youngster, you should and you continue to. Yep. Uh, you know, to see you going from that to growing up into a young man who's creating this stuff to share with people. I hope that everyone else also enjoys that. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you remember just super quickly when the greatest show on earth was being constructed, I didn't think I was going to be able to do it. And then if by chance I did it, I didn't think it was going to be any good. So this has been an incredible journey and I'm very thankful to people like both of you for watching it, enjoying it and everybody else out there who has watched it, shared it and, and enjoyed it. So, um, this one, this one will be out May 15th for everyone to enjoy on YouTube and Vimeo subscribe to my YouTube channel. It does help me out quite a bit when you do subscribe, but if you like it, tell your friends, share it. It's going to be everywhere on May 15th. One of the coolest memories that I had is when Kiss of Midnight came out, I was on my phone and I did this. So I did three swipes to scroll on Facebook and everything in those three swipes was Kiss at Midnight. It was incredible. It was incredible to see the reaction of people like that. So I'm hoping that I generate the same reaction now. I'm hoping people watching this get the same enjoyment I do out of watching Kiss. Awesome. Let's leave that right there. Michael, thank you for participating yeah, in you. this and Andrew thank for joining guys. me. And just thank a you. word of advice, don't play with an exacto while talking. You end up bleeding all over the place. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> Well, don't die on us. So thanks for joining us, and we shall see you next time. Bye for now. Yes. Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.